in a crude laboratory in the basement of his home. Welcome to the Tech Today podcast powered by CEO Radar. It's your host, John Mayetta. We've published some interesting content over at Tech Today and uh, probably three or four articles since our last podcast covering fintech, covering e-commerce and its impact on the industrial space, the industrial commercial real estate segment, episodic television versus feature films and the impact of each on the streaming wars. You can read about that with Disney Plus getting ready to roll out here shortly. And then we had an article entitled The Corporate Culture Failure, CEOs Who Do Not Hold Themselves Accountable. And we wrote that on the heels of the CEO changes that were announced a couple weeks ago. Kevin Plank uh, removing himself from the CEO chair over at Under Armour. The change at Nike where John Donahoe from ServiceNow will become Nike's new CEO in 2020. And the fact that uh, Boeing CEO Dennis Muhlenberg hasn't stepped down, is a failure of corporate governance in our view. By the way, in ServiceNow last week, it was announced that the new CEO to start sometime between SAP CEO Bill McDermott. You recall SAP announced the CEO transition several weeks ago. So you can see those executive profiles over at CEO Raider. And interesting timing on the Under Armour announcement, given that it was reported by the Wall Street Journal last night that the company is under investigation for its accounting practices. The federal investigation of accounting practices at Under Armour as it relates to potentially shifting revenue from one quarter to another over time in order to make revenues more robust in quarters that were potentially lacking. I wouldn't be shocked. I don't have any inside knowledge as to how Under Armour maintains its books. Stock is down 15% today. They've also announced earnings. I do know that it is a boys club culture under founder Kevin Plank. Plank came under fire, if you recall, several years ago when the company wasn't performing so well. Stock took a, a hit. This would have been in the 2015 time frame where it really started to drift down. And it also came out that he was increasingly spending time, this is Plank, with his uh, private equity portfolio of companies, Plank Industries, a portfolio of companies that is unrelated to Under Armour's core business. So it sounds like he got bored. And that's a no-no. When you're a public company CEO, founder or otherwise, doesn't matter. When you when you hold a chair in a public company, you're married to that company, period. So the, the fact that he wasn't removed tells me that there's weak governance at, at Under Armour. It's a weak board. Separately, if in fact it's found out to be true, if in fact Under Armour was guilty of playing with their books and shifting revenue around from quarter to quarter, then the company needs to clean out the management team. That includes... Uh, recently named CEO Patrick Frisk, who came on board, I think at the end of 17, second half of 2017 as COO. So re- regardless of what the probe may find and who knew and when they knew, if I'm on the board and it's 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 deemed that, uh, let's say, hypothetically, that, that Plank initiated this, this behavior in conjunction with the CFO, and that Frisk's name did not come up in the investigation, I would still remove him. Who are I on the board? I would move to remove to, to to wipe the slate entirely clean at the executive management level. Because anybody at the executive level who had knowledge and didn't blow the whistle, I would view as having weak character. And I wouldn't want them serving in an, in an executive capacity. So I think you've got a clean house. Apparently this investigation has been undergoing since 2017. Why it takes so long is, is beyond me. If you read Harry Markopoulos' book about his investigation, his personal investigation, into Madoff a decade plus ago, you know, you won't, you won't be shocked. Government agencies aren't exactly the picture of efficiency, nor are they always motivated to, quote-unquote, do the right thing. And the other thing that caught my eye 
which was an article posted last night. We did not write about it. The New York Times published an article about you know the rise of TikTok and how TikTok has captured share over the past year or so. Apparently, per the Times, 750 million TikTok downloads across iOS and Android platforms over the past 12 months compared to approximately 715 for Facebook, 450 for Instagram. I'll link to the article. They source it from a mobile analytics company who... You know, there are some estimates baked into those numbers. Instagram, Facebook, the parent, TikTok. Nobody's reporting downloads. Facebook doesn't even break out users by platform because they don't want you to see that. Big Blue has seen declining growth and probably net negative at this juncture and that most of the growth is is driven, in fact, in in terms of user growth, is driven by by Instagram. But I'll link to that article. But it, it brings up a number of interesting points. You know, how do you... How do you, in the social media space, beat back a rising competitor? In the case of TikTok, it's probably the most popular social media application at, at the moment. And how do you beat them back when they're, in fact, owned by, in this case, a, a Chinese company, a Beijing-based company? And this article mentions how um, you know, the U.S.-based competitors are all too happy to leverage the political climate to beat back TikTok, political climate being the... the the trade war between the U.S. and in China. I don't use it, frankly, for that reason. I don't want the the PRC to have my personal usage data. They probably have it anyway, given the way that we safeguard data in this country. But I don't want to voluntarily give my data to a foreign government. And there's another article that I didn't intend on mentioning in the podcast, but I just kind of reminded myself. If I could find it, I'll, I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes. And it, it talks about how the chief security officer for the White House resigned because we apparently don't take cybersecurity seriously enough, and he just didn't want any part of it any longer. Can't say that I blame him. I don't have firsthand knowledge of, of the level at which the federal government protects our data other than what I read. And how many breaches have there been since 2015? What was it? The Office of Program Management, I still think, was the biggest one. 150 million social security, social security numbers out in the ether as a result of a breach. So regardless of the administration, I don't think any administration takes cybersecurity nearly seriously enough. And we really ought to have a national discussion about that. That's all for now. See you next time.